0: So I don't have to invent something. I don't have to read something into the scriptures. In fact, my goal is to read out of the scriptures, to take what the Bible says and to say it.
1: From Walking in Grace, this is the Straight Truth Podcast. Christian truths in an increasingly secular world. Next question, Pastor, is about preaching Christ from all of scripture. There seems to be a renewed interest in this, at least over the last maybe two decades. And uh, some will say that we should preach Christ from every scripture, especially mm. thinking about the Old Testament, of course. And um, and even that you know your, your sermon needs to be saved if you're preaching from uh, uh, Deuteronomy 6 or whatever you might be preaching from. Uh, you still need to be preaching Christ or the preaching uh, the gospel. And yet there's another sense in which uh, some people say every scripture Every verse is about Jesus in one hmm. way or another. Of course, that takes some explaining. Yeah. Um, I was thinking of the Gospel of Luke about this question and how Jesus says that, you know, to the to the uh, disciples there on the way to Emmaus, that he interprets in them, in all the scriptures, the things concerning himself. And also that um, he, uh, he affirms for them the words that he spoke to them Um, which concerns everything written about me in the law of Moses, the prophets, and the Psalms, which should be fulfilled, this kind of shorthand of saying all the Old Testament. Mm -hmm. Right, what what are your thoughts on this? How important is it for preachers to preach Christ from every text of scripture?
0: Yeah, (laughs) it's important to preach Christ from every part of scripture. I wouldn't agree with the idea that, that, that every verse of scripture refers to Jesus. And I think that's where we can get into in a dangerous territory where we begin to allegorize scripture and, and, and end up preaching our imaginations instead of preaching the text. And one of the things that, that helps me, I regularly remind myself, no one is more interested in magnifying God's Son than God. And, and God is the one who gave us the scriptures. And so if I'm faithful to say what the scriptures say, then I'm doing the will of God with respect to magnifying his son. So I don't have to invent something. I don't have to read something into the scriptures. In fact, my goal is to read out of the scriptures, to take what the Bible says and to say it, organized in a way that I teach it well and I explain it well, but I'm not trying to do more than simply say what the Bible says. And so I I don't see Jesus in every verse of scripture, but as he said to the disciples on the road to Emmaus, every part of scripture has reference to him. So it's not every verse, but every part of scripture, the law, the prophets, the wisdom writings, all of it had to do with him, a relationship to him. Recently, I preached a sermon at our church where I talked about this, and here's how I would explain it. If you were to ask what is the, ask me, what is the overarching organizing principle of scripture? I think the answer is the glory of God, that what you have in scripture is the self-revelation of God. God has made himself known in in natural ways through creation. God has made himself known in a special way in scripture and the crescendo of that special revelation from God is God's son. The book of Hebrews talks about this, that in the Old Testament, God revealed himself in many ways, many portions, but in these last days has spoken to us in his son. So the high point of God's special revelation is, is Christ. As Jesus said in John 5.39 to the Pharisees, you search the scriptures for in them you think you have eternal life, but they speak of me. Mm -hmm. So it shouldn't surprise us that as God glorifies himself, makes himself known in scripture, the high point of that self-revelation would be his son, that his son would be related to everything we find in scripture. So I don't believe in a a Christocentric interpretation of scripture. I believe in grammatical historical interpretation interpretation of scripture, but I do believe in a Christotelic sense of reading the Bible. How does this section relate to God's revelation in His Son? How does it relate to God's redemptive mission in His Son? And we do preach Christ. I mean, this is what we do. I, I think about 1 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 18, it says, for the word of the cross is folly to those who are perishing, but to us who are being saved is the power of God. Paul able to, to give us a shorthand description of his preaching and he, he describes it as the word of the cross, right? You go just a few verses later, verse 23, but we preach Christ crucified, a stumbling block to Jews and a folly to Gentiles. Chapter two, verse two, for I decided to know nothing among you except Jesus Christ and him crucified. So if you ask what was apostolic preaching, it was mm-hmm. the preaching of the cross, it was mm-hmm. the preaching of Christ. In fact, the gospel is referred to as the gospel of Christ. It's also referred to as the gospel of the glory of God, mm-hmm. <laughs> which accords with what I'm, I'm talking about. Mm-hmm. So, God's glory on display in His Son. 2 Corinthians 4 talks about beholding the glory of God in the face of Christ Jesus. Mm-hmm. So, God making Himself known, and He is known in His Son. In fact, right now, human beings can only know the living God in and through God's Son, the Lord Jesus Christ. Without Christ, you don't have the Father. If you have the father, you have the son. If you don't have the son, you don't have the father. So our task, I think, as we preach the scriptures, is to to ask that question, how does this relate? What is God saying in this context? And as I rightly understand that verse, in that context, there's a relationship to the rest of the story. And from Genesis to Revelation, God is making himself known. And the high point of God making himself known, the, the crescendo, is God's revelation in his son, the Lord Jesus Christ. And so I'm asking what relationship does this section have to that story, which is which is the organizing principle throughout
1: scripture. So in what way would you say Genesis 1 is about Christ? I'm talking or about maybe, the creation Yes, account. speaking maybe Christotelically yeah. towards God. How would you connect that?
0: Well, we're told in the New Testament that everything that God made, he made through <clears throat> his son. So uh, when, when I, see the work of creation in Genesis one, I'm seeing the work of Christ. I'm seeing the work of Christ. The, the same is true with, uh, as you know, just symbolism typology throughout mm-hmm. the Old Testament. True. Yeah. So if you talk about the temple, there's a relationship to Christ. If you talk about the priesthood, there's a relationship to Christ. Mm-hmm. If you talk about the sacrificial system,
1: mm-hmm.
0: blood atonement, there's a relationship to Christ. If you talk about, Manna, as God supplied for His people in the right. Old Testament, Christ describes Himself as the as the living bread that came down from mm-hmm. heaven. I think what I'm trying to say is I don't have to invent that. Right, it's there. The, the Bible makes it clear. Mm. And if you if you go on to allow the New Testament to comment on what the Old Testament makes clear, and by the way, the New Testament writers are often picking up on a line of connections made by Old Testament authors. Right. So Old Testament. Authors interpreting other Old Testament mm-hmm. authors. There's this line of reasoning that finds its way all the way into the New Testament. If we follow that carefully and faithfully, we're going to see that all of Scripture has a relationship to God's Son. Mm-hmm. And, and it's by the Father's will, it's by God's will, it's by the will of the Trinity that Christ would stand in this place in God's self revelation. In fact, what God has chosen to do in terms of reconciling all things, both in heaven and on earth. Colossians chapter 1, verses 18 through 20 tell us that it all finds its nexus at the cross of Christ. Mm. What Christ came into the world to do brings everything to its intended end, everything to the adding up of what God intended from the very beginning. And so it's by God's will that we would look to God's son. But I don't have to invent it, it's there. Mm. It's in the scriptures, I just need to see
1: it. Okay, so we preach Christotelically. Do you think the second person of the Trinity, God's Son, is in the Old Testament? Uh, explain what you are, well, yeah, are Are there instances of, um, there are many theophanies in the Old Testament, right? right? Are, are there instances of the Divine Son uh, yeah. in the Old Testament? There are.
0: Yeah, I believe there are, yeah. And I think some of those
1: theophanies
0: are Christophanies. I, th- I think you mm. see Christ in places in the Old Testament, yes. But, but not in, not with the clarity that we have now. I mean, what you see, I believe, as you look at the Old Testament is progressive revelation. Certain truths are, are dealt with in their infancy early on, and they're expanded upon and developed throughout the Old Testament revelation. And then when you come to the New Testament, it's, it's made even clearer, which is why the gospel we preach, which is why the church as we preach it from the New Testament, is referred to as a mystery, right? Somewhat veiled in Old Testament times, but then made clear. Mm-hmm. I think we underestimate the ability of the people of God to recognize these things even in the Old Testament era. Mm-hmm. So when you have Christ being presented at the temple, you have prophecies being made made there, both by men and women mm-hmm. that are glorifying God because they've been waiting forever to mm-hmm. see this, right? Mm-hmm. So they already had an understanding in the Old Testament era of God's saving work sent, being centered in the Messiah, being centered in this one who is to come and deliver the people of God, mm-hmm. save God's people. So this is not something we had to wait on, but it's it's brought into absolute clarity with the coming of Christ. Mm. The promises made in the Old Testament now they they've been fulfilled. They 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 are arrived at in God's Son, uh, the Lord Jesus Christ, Jesus of Nazareth. Uh, the hopes the, the expectations of the people of God had been realized in his coming and there's still promises to be fulfilled in the second coming of Christ mm-hmm. and we look in the same way to his second coming mm-hmm. to fulfill those promises made in scripture we've not yet seen them in some sense they're there it's like looking into a, a mirror dimly we we don't know exactly what it's going to be like but we know this when he appears we will be like him that mm-hmm. we know and mm-hmm. in in a similar way Old Testament promises the people of God had a somewhat darker understanding of of what was coming. They didn't see it as clearly as we do now. Mm. But when Jesus made his appearance, those things came into full light Mm.
1: and, and they were realized. Thanks again for joining us for this episode of the Straight Truth Podcast. Now, Straight Truth is listener supported. So if you'd like to find out ways how you can help us to continue to produce this podcast, you can go to our website and find out ways to do that, straighttruth.net. At that website, you'll also find links to all of our previous episodes and our social media channels, so be sure to check it out. Straight Truth is a production of Walking in Grace Ministries, the preaching and teaching ministry of Pastor Richard Caldwell. For more information, go to walkingandgrace.org.